BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. On the left today, we start with you. That is Michael Kelly right Morning. over there. And on the right is John Hancock. Hey there. Right over there, and I'm John Brown. Big story this week, the impeachment inquiry continues, albeit behind closed doors. Some evidence now emerging from these behind closed door testimony sessions, though. The White House claiming that the proceedings are unfair and are damaging the presidency in the long term. Even Senator Lindsey Graham introduced a resolution condemning this inquiry. He says all Americans should be bothered by how this is being handled. The president even tweeted out this past week. You probably saw this one. Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching. But we will win. All right, John Hancock, you're up first on this one. All this behind closed door stuff. I know Republicans say this should be out in the open so everybody sees what's going on. Does he have a point? Other than the lynching part, does he have a point here? Yeah, it should be uh, above board. This is the first time in history where we've gone through an impeachment process where the House has not voted to have an impeachment inquiry on the front end. Now, it's not in the Constitution. It's not required. But the historical precedent, and this is the fourth time now, the historical precedent is you vote to have an, an inquiry. That then allows the president to have counsel in the room. It allows the president's counsel to, to cross-examine the, the folks that come in and testify. And, you know, the, the one thing, if, you, if you're going to take this extreme step of impeaching a president, it's very extreme, you better do it in the most fair way you possibly can because if you don't have public support out there, you're spinning your wheels. Michael. Well, it's not an official impeachment inquiry yet because they haven't made the vote. There will be a vote for an official impeachment inquiry and then he'll have that. Right now there's 37 plus Republicans sitting in those committees. The Republicans know exactly what's going on. They are a part of the inquiry. Look, the Republicans don't have their talking points together. They don't have their defense of how they're going to stand up for the President of the United States over his blatant breaking of the law. And so they're trying to divert people from attention of what needs to be focused on, and that is the inquiry of oversight that is happening. I got, I got the talking points right here, Brown. Oh, I don't know them. what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we, we need this needs to be a public, uh, and, and the, the folks at home need to be able to tune in. When I was 10, I watched the Watergate hearings every day after school. That was my after-school entertainment. Now look at me now, Brown. Wow. And uh, but but this should be a public situation. So the Republicans are begging for an impeachment of Donald Trump. I love it. Mm -hmm. no, I'm with yeah, you. We'll Let's see. have it. You watch 90210. He's watching the Watergate <laughs> after-school specials. I guess different times for different folks. I True. guess. All right, but I also want to follow up on this because, as you probably saw. Republican lawmakers stormed the House impeachment inquiry, claiming they were not being allowed to see what's happening behind those closed doors. But it was later pointed out that 13 of the members of the 41 who stormed the House already have access to the hearings because they sit on the committees with the power to question witnesses and review documents. So back to you on this one, Michael. So 
again, you said they don't have their talking points together. This was a big show of force, right? No, it was a stunt. But, but these guys already have access to a lot of this. It was a political stunt. They can participate in the process. And more importantly, what they did is they jeopardized national security going into a secure area where there's not supposed to be phones. They'll even take your watches if you have watch that communicates with a phone to keep us clean and safe because that's where classified information happens. These folks don't care. The rules are different when it comes to Donald Trump. There are none. All right, now one more point here. I'm getting to you on this one. What's interesting also is that these meetings, the proceedings are based on rules written in January of 2015. You say, John, why are you showing John Boehner here? Well, that's because in January of 2015, John Boehner was the one who enacted these rules that allow it to be done like this in the Republican House. Just like when the Democrats used the nuclear option, which paved the way for Republicans to change the rules, it can come back to bite you here, John. You, I know you're one of the Republicans who actually says, stop changing these things because it can come back this way, and it has here. Well, it does. And, uh, but, you know, the, what, what these Congress, members of Congress were doing, they were trying to shine the light on, on the fact that these hearings are taking place in secret. And, you know, all you're getting out of here are very selected leaks by Adam Schiff and his cohorts uh, on the committees. And the public's not having access to what's really happening inside that room. Now, they, they need to, they're going to need to change this procedure if they're going to go forward and try and impeach Donald well, Trump. Well, it's a Republican procedure, and the leaks that are coming are coming in a controlled manner, unlike the White House, where it leaks like a sieve. Okay, we're going to change gears here very quickly in our top block here. This is very interesting happened this past week. Congressional leaders paid tribute to late Maryland Representative Elijah Cummings. Cummings died last week at the age of 68 of complications from a long-standing list of health issues. He rose to become a civil rights champion, a committee chairman, and the leader of the impeachment inquiry of President Trump. He was also the first African-American to lie in state in the Capitol. So his good friend, Republican Representative Mark Meadows, spoke at the memorial service about this unlikely of friendships. We are called to give honor where honor is due, and so it is fitting that we're here today to honor a friend. He's called a number of things, you know, father, husband, friend, chairman. Uh, for me, I was privileged enough to be able to call him a dear friend. Some have classified it as an unexpected friendship, but for those of us that know Elijah, it's not unexpected or surprising. Perhaps this place in this country would be better served with a few more unexpected friendships. I know I've been blessed by one. God bless you. Gentlemen, that was, the, that was a great speech. Now, sadly, we only hear about these types of relationships in death, but it really resonated with you guys to hear a conservative Republican saying, yeah, he was a good friend. Well, we experienced this after the death of John McCain, uh, now after Elijah Cummings. What's similar about both of those folks? They both took ridiculous attacks by the President of the United States who acted like a petulant child. The fact of the matter is, is relationships like this are important. Part of what's lacking in our country right now is this ability to find compromise. You know, this idea that you have to get everything that you're pushing for every time, that maybe you can get a little bit by working together and move the country in the right direction. Kudos to the congressman for standing up and doing this. And it really points to, let's not forget, it was just, what, three months ago that Donald Trump was assaulting Elijah Cummings and saying some really nasty, vile things. I wish these same Republicans and others would stand up against that kind of talk. It reminds me of the Ellen DeGeneres picture with George Bush. Right. And then everybody comes out and says, you can't be friends with him. He's a war criminal. You know, all these kind of things. And she's like, whoa, 
again, we've lost civility when it comes to people. Well, who don't we, what, agree what we've done is we've we've turned our political adversaries into the devil, and um, and that's not healthy for a republic. You know, you can disagree with I, this guy over here. I mean, gee, what's he thinking? Uh, but you know, but he's a great guy, and he can't help it that he's you know wrong. He's, but he's he's a great guy. And people that have a different political philosophy means they have a different political philosophy. It doesn't mean they are, they are a miserable, horrible human being. It doesn't mean that they're the enemy of the people, as some have said. Uh, and this country would run much better. The Congress would work much better if, if our political leaders behaved more like Mark Meadows and Elijah Cummings than a lot of the other stuff we see. It's a great moment this week. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, have the Democrats moved too far left? We have a new poll. <laughs> Oddly enough, that's what he says. Yeah, okay, we're going to break down what people across the political spectrum think. Maybe their responses have something to do with that article in the Times. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Adcock and Kelly. A new poll out this week has another name as the leader in the Democratic presidential primary race. This one from Quinnipiac released the results of its thir uh, results on Thursday. Okay, it found Senator Elizabeth Warren now has a seven-point lead over Joe Biden among likely voters. If the election were held right now, the Massachusetts Democrat would supposedly get about 28 percent of the Democratic and Independent vote. The former vice president now at 21 percent. It is the fourth consecutive Quinnipiac poll that shows Warren with more support than Biden. But it does differ from other major national polls, including the one CNN released on Wednesday. That poll still shows Biden leading Warren by about 15 percentage points. All right, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to ask both of you the same question here, right? So you're going to have to take off your Republican hat here. You're an advisor at this point. If you're advising Joe Biden right now and he's dropping, what do you tell him to do to get back on top here? I'm the only one that can beat Donald Trump. He needs to start making the case about against Donald Trump but that his opponents can't. He's making the case against Donald Trump on Twitter and in his press conferences, but he's not pointing out the, the flaws of the candidates he's running against. And I think it's a real problem for him. It's time for him to stand up and start to take these folks on. He's trying to be above the mix. He's trying to act like a vice president. He's in a dog fight, and he needs to get down and fight with these two. Same question. That's 100% right. He, uh, He's got to. He's got to go at. You know, he had that moment in the debate where he kind of went at Warren for you know bankrupting the country. He needs. He needs to do that more. They need to be running ads, communicating that, and then hit the electability argument. If, if electability is a winning issue for Democrats, and I, you, the only way you'd know that is to look at polling, which I haven't, uh, but certainly they polled it. Uh, he knows what the top two or three things he needs to hit, and it's now the contrast phase of the campaign. He's got to contrast himself, not just with Donald Trump, but with, at this point, Elizabeth Warren. The only other person really climbing here, the only middle-of-the-pack candidate showing more progress, is Mayor Pete. Reports came out this week that he is now going to become much more aggressive, according to insiders. But here's the deal. He's been climbing due to what appears to be a rational and reasoned critique of pretty much everyone. Uh, John, you on first on this one here. He seems to be climbing. He's pulling some Republicans in, too, it seems. Do you tell a guy like this, okay, go more aggressive now, because what he's doing seems to be working, separating himself a little bit here. Well, you're not going to win a Democratic nomination unless you can have a significant showing in the African-American community. 
and his no, his his national poll numbers are, are doing better. His numbers in Iowa are doing very better, but that's a very low African American population percentage wise. Mm -hmm. So, uh, unless and until he can improve that standing, I just don't think he's really in this thing. I, I understand his numbers are coming up, but I, I just don't see him actually carrying the ball over the line. We talked about him last week. Again, this is, he's the mayor of a town the size of, I believe, St. Charles or O'Fallon, Missouri. Not a big town. There, there has to be a lot of proving. Well, yet here, he's in the game right now because he's got the money. Um, and the way, the quickest way for somebody who's not one of the front runners, which are Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden, is to start winning. So he needs to have an incredible performance in Iowa. Then he needs to do well in New Hampshire. Then he needs to do well in Ohio, Nevada and South Carolina. Winning is his only pathway forward because he does have some of those issues that are laying out there, but winning will change that. Momentum to beating Donald Trump can help him. Okay, here's the problem with the Democrats, according to the big money donors and party leaders on the left. They aren't convinced they have the right person running yet. A new report in the New York Times this week pointed out that at some of these meetings, the leaders and money groups in the Democratic circles still worried there's no viable contenders to beat President Trump. Is it too late? Is Hillary going to come out and be the savior they're all looking for, right? <laughs> Hillary I is don't think that's going to happen. Hillary is not running for president. <laughs> and I would remind everybody in 2016, the Republicans were having this same conversation, that Donald Trump can't beat Hillary Clinton. And I said that. John said it. Heck, I think everybody said it. Karl Rove said it. D Donald Trump couldn't beat Hillary Clinton. Guess what? He's president of the United States. Anything's possible. I agree. The electability question exists as it relates to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and I never thought I'd be in a Democratic Party where the majority of the people in the polls now support socialist candidates. Hmm. All right. Now, they threw out some other names, right, in these Democratic donor groups. You've got Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, Sherrod Brown, and Oprah. It seems like we. Why does Oprah always get brought into well, this? Well, don't don't forget uh, Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, his name is out yeah, there too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it, it's not technically too late to get in. If this, especially if you're a self-funder like a Bloomberg, then then it's completely. You know, you could get in. Um, is is there a path there for the for the bright night to come in and save the day uh, for the Democrats? Probably not. But you never know. I think their their best hope at this point, in my opinion, is Joe Biden. And and but I don't I don't think Biden's got the juice, man. I don't think he's going to do it. All right, I heard you guys discussing the issue of fixing these extreme candidates getting nominations. You just pointed out, right? You've got some extreme left now leading the party here in these nominations. Is it the fault of the primary system where you have to go so far left or so far right to win the primary that then you're unelectable by the rest of the electorate here? No, I think it's the realignment of what's happening in the parties. I think John was as surprised to see the populist movement inside the Republican Party. I'm shocked this, to see the socialist move in the Democratic Party. Is it a primary issue? It is. Do well, you, how do you change that it's anyway? A, it's an electorate issue. So the, the, the problem with primaries is that not very many people participate in them. So you've got a situation where the people we vote for in November are selected for us by a sliver of the population, and that sliver is going to be the most you know, ideologically polarized uh, by definition. I, I've long contended if more people would vote in primaries, uh, you'd get a different kind of candidate well, in the fall. That, that's a great point because I remember when I was here covering the debate at Wash U, so many people were there saying that Democrats didn't realize how unpopular Hillary Clinton was by everybody else because she was picked by the Democrats. It seems like we might be facing the same issue here again. Well, potentially, but Donald Trump is one of the most unpopular politicians yeah. on the planet. He was elected president.
<laughs> All right, well, if you had a chance to snoop on the U.S. government, what would you want to know? All right, think about this one. This will be fun. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, what Edward Snowden searched the CIA files for to get answers to a very mysterious question. Ah, yes, time for a little news potpourri here. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg facing the fury of lawmakers once again from both sides of the aisle. Got questioned for six hours again on Capitol Hill. Democrats targeting issues like outright lies on the social media site, and he asked them how he would fix it. Facebook says it doesn't fact check any political ads. Instead, it relies on third party fact checkers. So let's start with you guys. You guys run a lot of ads. You help people run ads. Is it Facebook's job to make sure these are 100% legit. Well, they probably ought to pay attention to it because if they don't, what they're going to start to get is regulation. Uh, we can't just air anything on Fox 2 here. It has to pass FEC guidelines. There are no guidelines. And, you know, and, and, and he admitted that, yes, you can put out a blatant lie. That's not going to work. And rarely does somebody appear in Congress where everyone is universally attacking them. Mark Zuckerberg had that honor. But it seems like we have these political ads that are so outlandish at times. Then you find out they do the, you know, the PolitiFact, how much of this is legit. And a lot of right. times they are phony. Well, so people look at this and say, wait, you're lying in ads on TV, radio? What's well, the there's phony and then there's factually. I mean, so the, the, right now, if you're a candidate, you could pretty much say whatever you want in a broadcast ad. Candidates, it's free speech. Even if they're saying something that's wrong or false, you can't pull them. If you're a third-party group, and increasingly our politics in this country are going to these PACs and third-party groups, because that's where all the money is, uh, those groups can get their ads pulled if, if they can be proven to be factually untrue. The problem you get is who is making those decisions. And is, is something, something can be patently false, that's easy, mm -hmm. but something that's misleading, who gets to make that judgment? Who gets to make that decision? I would tend to err on the side of free speech. All right, here's what I find interesting, because I love hypocrisy, irony, things like that. AOC was one of the people grilling him, right? Many of her claims about the Green New Deal would have been under this as a liar propaganda. So her own claims with the platform she's putting forth would get her own claims knocked off of Facebook. That's the irony of the whole thing. Well, here. politics is the art of spin. Mm -hmm. uh, you're constantly trying to take whatever the facts are and position them in the most favorable light for your side your your client your candidate your idea and so that's what politics is so you, you're always going to have people you know approaching things from a perspective and telling you it but you do cross a line if you say something that's just patently false he voted for tax increases 17 times well if you can't prove that hmm. you can't say that all right aliens do they exist does the u.s know about them all right <laughs> edward snowden wanted to find out the former CIA employee and National Security Agency contractor revealed that he searched for information on aliens when he worked for the agencies. Snowden, of course, the whistleblower who revealed classified information about government surveillance back in 2013. Now he's still been living in Russia and exile ever since. Now during a podcast, he said there's no evidence of aliens and the U.S. did in fact land on the moon. All right, so this is an interesting question here. 
If you had access, right, this guy's searching, combing through all kinds of files, what, what would you guys want to look for? Aliens would be first for everybody, I think, right? Aliens, uh, what truly happened in the Kennedy assassination, and where exactly is that money that Mexico was going to give us to pay for the wall? <laughs> I want to know about the secret weapons, Brown. Right. We've got, we've got stuff out there, I'm sure, that nobody knows we have. Mm -hmm. They'd probably do some really cool things, you know, like planes that fly sideways. You know, little bullets that hop over mountains and rockets and all kinds of stuff. That's what I want to know. Like the cool stuff. Right. Even, you know, I'm thinking of uh, satellites, right? We've always heard they can even zoom in and peer in your window. Can they? Mm. Oh, right? yeah. This oh, they, is the can. They, they can. In fact, they're out there right now, Brown. <laughs> watching this show all of you people uh, out there not. close hey, the windows all right, all right one more here because i don't know if you guys saw this video but i just want to get your reaction to this phoenix arizona all right police saying angel showed up in the form of a chevy cruise and so what right hand side see the couple walking across the street yeah watch this oh Boom. honey mama another car comes across the intersection one of them runs the light takes them out right before they hit the couple walking across the street with the stroller I, I just thought, I don't know if anybody who else saw that video this week, but that's unbelievable, is it not? You tell me angels don't exist when something like that happens? That's pretty cool. Right? I mean, your reaction was just wow. like mine. I watched it a hundred times. Yeah. I just could not believe how close that, that was. It, it, that might have been Starsky and Hutch <laughs> driving that car out there. They were pretty Old good. School. They had What was that thing they had? A Thunderbird? What was that car? Yeah, well, Gran Torino, right? Oh, it was a Gran Torino. I, I He's gone old school twice on us today, man. Uh, it's because I'm old, bro. Man, doing the Watergate hearings and Starsky and Hutch. What's next? We'll find out. Final we're, thoughts. We're hitting straight, the demo today, boy. Straight ahead. How old are you? I'm old. Time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. You're up first, sir. Well, we buried it a legend, Elijah Cummings, of course, the guy who was attacked by the President of the United States ridiculously. Uh, if you saw any of the footage from the funeral the other day, there was one person obviously missing. Who would that be? Oh, of course, that'd be the President of the United States. Yet another historic figure that dies that Donald Trump doesn't show up. Why? Because he's attacked them like a child. All right, final thought for you, sir. What did, you got? Did you see it, Brown? What's that? Simone Biles, oh, the Olympic God. gymnast. She was throwing out the first pitch. I couldn't believe what I just saw. Let's get a little of that on the screen. There she is, Simone Biles. I couldn't believe this, Brown. I, I could not, could not believe it. There's the pitch, yeah, so, and here it comes. So, oh, yeah, did, did you see? That's she like you flat. dodging did the trumpet. Did you see she threw off the wrong foot? She stepped with her right foot and threw with her right arm. What all was she thinking? Of all the things you focused on, that was that's something. the wrong thing. I was amazed how short she is. She's yeah. tiny. Four, four, she's four foot eight. Really? Yeah. And they put her with a six-three baseball player. I would, if I were that backup catcher, whoever it was, he should have been getting her autograph right. instead of signing much the ball. bigger. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it right there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday is next. Have a great Sunday.